welcome to the Abundant Life Church Podcast, equipping people to live successful Christian lives. Today we bring to close the book of Philippians. How many of you have enjoyed the journey through Philippians? It's been so good. Four chapter book, so good. And we're going to finish that up today. The Apostle Paul is writing this book in prison, as we know, and he writes with joy in his heart. That's what comes out through this whole book. He writes with joy, and he comes to these final verses here in chapter 4, and he writes a thank you note to the Philippians for their support of his ministry, that the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ is going forward. And, you know, thank you notes are kind of one of them things that... um, Many people don't do anymore, you know, mail it out, sign it, or give it. Many things, times they do a text or an email. But Paul is handwriting a thank you note and gives one of the classic passages on one of the Christian virtues known as contentment. And contentment is not just a virtue, just a good thing to do, virtuous, but it is a command in this passage that God is commanding us as people of God, as Christians, to live a contented life. It's a command. And we talked about this a little last week, that contentment is not based on what you have or don't have. So whatever you have, whether a little or a lot, God still calls each and every one of us to contentment. As believers, we are called to live a contented life, and a contented life is a better life. How many of you can say amen to that? A contented life is a better life, and so you can't expect somebody that doesn't know Christ, or non-believer, to get this. But as Christians, as believers, you and I are commanded to live this life. And that's what he's saying. And you know that God does it for our good because he knows us better than we know ourselves. Most people don't know how to live a contented life. But Paul learned the secret of being content. Remember in verse 12 where Paul said, I've learned the secret of being content? He had to learn it. So that what's that say to us? That we're not born with it. We have to learn contentment. And the apostle Paul says, I've learned it. Now he's passing this on into the church, and he wants us to understand it as well. Contentment is a better way to live. True biblical contentment, what is that? Well, it's a conviction of this, that Christ's power, Christ's purpose, and Christ's provision is sufficient in every circumstance in our life. Christ's power, Christ's purpose, and Christ's provision is really sufficient for everything that you and I are going through. We all need it, and Christ dwells within us so that we can live it out. The key to contentment is a secret because most people don't know how to do it. What is it that Paul knows that you and I either need to learn or to be reminded so that we can walk in contentment? He's gonna share that with us today as he comes through this. His heart is filled with joy, even though he's chained to a Roman guard. He's gonna speak this out. And so four things that are a secret of contentment as he's writing this thank you note to the Philippian believers. Number one, Remember your relationship with Christ. He says in verse 13, I can do all things through Christ who gives me what? Strength. Paul's saying my ability to live 
the contented life is not based on my own personal strength or my own personal self-discipline. It's based on his power working in and through me. He's linked to the power of Christ, therefore he has a power to live contented. When he says I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me, he's saying I can do the hunger thing and the need, I can also do the abundance thing and the prosperity, I'm linked to Christ and I am in him, so that's where he says when my power ends, God's power begins. And that's so important for us to realize. Paul says, I can do everything through him, through Christ, because he gives me strength. How many of you parents ever get tired of hearing your kids say, I can't, right? I can't do that. Three people, wow, your kids are angelic. Right, three people. That's all I saw. Children are amazing, I'll tell you that. <laughs> they would say, I, I can't do this. I, you know, I can't do that. I can't pick up my room. I can't help. I can't, I can't. It, you know, um, I was reminded of this story. I, I asked Josiah if I could say this day, but Josiah, when he was six years of age, we were living in Hampton, and he was in the bathtub, I remember that night, and I told him, Josiah, when you get out of the bathtub, I want you to clean your room. And he told me, I can't do that. Well, I got righteously ticked off. So I decided to walk the hallway that night while he was in the tub, and I preached a message on what he can do. And I said, boy, you can do all things through Christ who strengthens you. You are a can-do kid with the help of the Holy Spirit. And I told him, repeat after me, Josiah, I am a can-do kid. You got to realize that, right? Next time your child says, I can't, no, you are a can-do kid kid. You're a can-do child. Pastor, I can't serve. Pastor, I can't give. Pastor, I can't help others. Saints, you can do all things through Christ who strengthens you because you are a can-do child of God. Amen? That's what it is about. I can't, I can't. I don't know if that word's in God's vocabulary, right? It shouldn't be in ours. I can't do that. I can't. No, you don't want to do that, right? Paul's saying, I'm experiencing the power of Christ in my life. And he says, it's a declaration of how intertwined his life is with the Lord. And the key to the contented life rests on God's power, God's grace, God's working, and his provision in him. When we rely on that, we realize that's all we need. We come to this understanding that the apostle Paul does. When we have that, We truly have everything that we need. Remember, he says, if you want to live the contented life, you need to remember your relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ in what he provides for you is always enough. Second principle, two, value people more than possessions. He's going to go in here and show them throughout this chapter and these verses that you need to value people more than possessions. One of the keys to having contentment is having healthy relationships. One of the keys to contentment is loving people more than you love things. Because when a person loves things, what happens is they use people. But when you love people, you use things instead. Things are to be used and not loved. 
When people are caught up loving things, they end up living an empty, discontented life. If you don't believe me, just look at the world around us, right? We got people that are using people just because they're trying to get ahead. Do you know that it's been studied and proven that the impoverished person and the millionaire shares the same problems, that they each have emptiness and that they have discontentment in their lives as well. It's proven. But verse 14, he says how important relationships are. He says, nevertheless, you've done well that you shared in my distress. He says, you've shared in my distress. I'm here to share in yours. And this is what Paul values. He values relationship with people. Part of what gave him contentment was having relationships with others that were around him. See, when you don't have relationships with people, life begins to contract. Have you ever found that to be true? When you don't have a relationship, a healthy relationship with others, your life gets smaller. It shrinks down. And, and, you know, when people do life by themselves, they become weird. (laughs) Have you noticed that? Right? They become weird, like the hermit living out in the woods by themselves. They think they're normal. No, they're weird. They don't have other healthy relationships. But our world today tells us the opposite. Yeah, just stay at home the whole time and be behind your computer. And you know that, no, that is not life-giving. Staying in your home and binging Netflix all day long, that's weird. Okay, I'm just going to say it. I'm just going to say it. That's weird. Really weird. Your life is getting smaller, right? Get out there. Do something with your life. Get into healthy relationships. I don't know about you, but I, I find as I'm around people, it shapes my view of the world and God's working in my life. There's so many times when somebody is talking, I'm hearing God. Something's coming out. Something's coming through that's life-giving. And it's so important that we realize that. You know, and so this is what the Apostle Paul is encouraging them. Have, have healthy relationships. Be there for one another when you're distressed and you're hurting. And uh, be there and encourage each other. God never designed us to be alone. God designed us for each other. Things aren't wrong unless they get a hold of us. Right? And when things possess us rather than us possessing them, life be- turns upside down. It's all inverted. Many people are so busy today making money to afford things that they spend time with their things and they don't have time for people. That true? But that's the way of the world. But, 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 but the Apostle Paul said, no, no. In Christ, there is a different way that you and I are called to live and we are to live contented in him. Things are not wrong unless things possess you, Right? Paul said, you have deep concern for me in my distress, in my problems. You're there for me. I'm there for you. And so this bids a question here, begs it. Who are you around that feeds your spirit? Who is in your life today that continually feeds your spirit, that is life-giving, not only in the good times of life, but in your distress? Who are you around that builds up your walk with God and that builds your soul? And, you know, that's why we have our ALC groups here. They're relational groups by wonderful leaders that are opening their homes that are inviting you and I in to be a part of that. And that's what they're here. Our Wednesday night, our, our, our youth are in crave groups. And it's so important. Parents, 
It's so important that your students are in healthy, life-giving relationship with other students their same age. That is absolutely vital. Amen? Don't let your kids stay at home. I just got to play this video game one more time. I can't. I can't get off. I, no, you can. How about on our young adults that have small groups? How about our kids ministry that's doing groups and they're having relationships? Jesus tells us that life doesn't consist of the abundance of possessions. Paul wants us to evaluate our life over and over again to make sure we're living a contented life by what God provides. Paul said, I've been in the poorhouse and I've been in the penthouse. He says this, and I've learned the secret of being content. Paul said, I know how to eat ramen and I know how to eat ribeye. Amen? Have you with me? That's what Paul's saying here, right? He knows how to do both and he's content with wherever God has placed him. He says in this, you want to live a content life, you got to learn to value people more than you do possessions. Three, be more concerned with the needs of others than with your own. Verse 15, now you Philippians know also that in the beginning of the gospel, when I departed Macedonia, no church shared with me concerning giving and receiving, but only you. For even in Thessalonica, you did send aid once and again for my necessities. Not that I seek the gift, but I seek the fruit that abounds to your account because of what you gave. Paul's saying, what I need and what you can provide doesn't enter my mind at all because what I really care about more than anything else is your growth in Christ Jesus, your reward in Christ, and your reward in heaven. That's where he's talking about fruit. That's what he's saying here, that you're going to benefit from every dollar you gave to the ministry. What, what they gave him, according to our standards nowadays, wouldn't be very much. True. What Paul cares about is that God is going to bless them and work in them. He, he's, he's not about his own needs. <clears throat> he's about their needs. He isn't saying, hey, this is not about me. It's about your needs and what's going to be credited to your account in the future. And uh, he's saying, it's not about my own future, it's about your future. And it's not about my blessing, it's about your blessing. And this is what motivates Paul. This is a secret to contentment. Care less about your circumstance, your situation, your future, your blessing than you do about others. Care less about those other things. Care more about people and who they are and, and value them for who they are. Number four, rest confidently in God's provision. In verse 18, watch what Paul says. At the moment, I have all I need and more. I am generously supplied with the gifts you sent me with Epaphroditus. There is something about Paul that is so refreshing and beautiful. Understanding where he's at in his location and being under guard, that he, is, he comes with a heart of thanks. And so what did they give him? Whatever it was, Paul's like, this is so amazing. Have you ever been around somebody like, whatever you do for them, their response is better than what it is that you gave them? Like, oh my goodness, this is so amazing. Thank you. And it's just so over the top because they're truly, they're truly thankful and they're genuine about it and they're sincere. Thank you so very much. You know, really his attitude at this point is kind of like the child who was an incurable optimist. And so to teach him a lesson about 
false expectations and to bring him down to earth. One Christmas, his father gave him a garage filled with horse manure. And this was after his brothers and sisters had opened all their many presents. When the boy saw the mountain of manure, his face lit up with a grin like a mile wide. And he dove into the pile and he was flinging the stuff everywhere and laughing and giggling hysterically. And his father asked him, what on earth are you doing? His son replied, still digging away in all the manure. There just has to be a pony in here somewhere. You ever met an incurable optimist? Like, I'm just happy no matter what. That, that's a beautiful thing, right? So, so eternal optimists, this is what it, they, they're like, wow, I can't believe it. This is the Apostle Paul. This is amazing. They, they want to make you feel better about yourself and giving and grateful for what they get. And this is Paul, and he says in verse 18, they are a sweet-smelling sacrifice that is acceptable and pleasing to God. And I want you to think about this as he says this. They gave Paul a gift, and Paul's a minister, and they're supporting his ministry. And I'm talking about in this, because he's talking about this, gifts that you give to support the work of God. This could be missionaries that you support, that you're giving. We could think about maybe tithing that you're giving. You could think about you're giving to someone uh, that is in need this time of year this could mean heart for the house offering that we continue to receive and, and take up. And, and uh, we, this last week, you know, last week we gave an update. We had 65000 that came in for that property in Clearbrook to build a campus. Throughout this last week, now it's up to $107,000. So come on, you give the Lord praise and glory for that. Amen. Our goal of 320000 as we are being led, is uh, we're purchasing that property, the buildings of buildings that we're going to see people's lives change for the glory of the Lord Jesus Christ. Whatever it is, the way that you give, I want you to notice how God views it. He views it as a sweet-smelling sacrifice that is acceptable and pleasing to God. And so many times we're caught up in our own mind on what these figures would represent maybe in the business world or what other people think because they'll be glad to share their heart with you about monies and whether you should give it to the work of God's kingdom. But God's saying, listen, it doesn't matter what they believe about it. To me, it's acceptable and pleasing. You know, in the Old Testament, they had offerings for about everything, sin and guilt, some were for fellowship. There was a fellowship offering. There's a burnt offering. There were different kinds of offerings, and those offerings gave off a sweet-smelling sacrifice to God. It was like a gift on the altar that was presented to God, and that really is our giving. What Paul is saying, when you and I give out of our possessions to the Lord, that's exactly the way that God sees it. And here's what happened. You see this in verse 19. He said, and my God will meet all of your what? Needs according to his glorious riches in who? Christ Jesus. Notice the supply. My God. Do you know the one that can supply all your needs today? It isn't your workplace. It's my God. Not just God will supply, but God known in a very personal experience that he's saying. Not just some remote deity running the earth that is just given to the just and the unjust alike, but a personal father that sees this. This is a promise for the children of God, those who belong to him. This is what he's talking about. This is such a great verse. This is such a powerful verse in the context of Philippians 
into that church there and to us. Because what it tells us is that when you and I give, there's a supernatural exchange that is happening with the Lord. There's something supernatural when you give to the Lord that is happening, and it is, it's an exchange. And many people don't see it that way, but this is what he's saying. Well, you say, well, what does that mean? Well, what God does, he sees it, it's pleased. He's pleased with the gift in verse 18. It's the same God who blesses your life in verse 19. The God who receives the gift in verse 18, because when you give to the church, you're not giving to abundant life, you're giving to the Lord. And so many people, they get caught up in that. As a pastor, we hear all of it, all those things, you know, yeah, well, you know, they don't need more money, they don't need all of those things, and so don't talk about money. But God talks about money a lot in the Bible. So as you look in this, you see that, hey, what you are giving, it's to the Lord first. It goes to him and his kingdom and his work so that he would receive all the glory. The same God that you're giving to in 18, 19 comes back and says, I will bless you because you were obedient to give it. So when you give to a missionary, you're not just giving money to a missionary, you're giving to the Lord. When you give to heart for the house, you're not just giving to abundant life, you're giving to build the kingdom of God first and foremost to the Lord when you give to the Lord. The God you're giving to is the God who knows your need. And when you are giving, there's an exchange that is happening that you and I don't see right away, but it will eventually come forth. Watch this. My God will supply all your needs. So in order to supply your needs, he's got to know your needs. And when you give, God recognizes what you did. Isn't that amazing? Like, I know they need this, and I'm going to take care of this. And it is such a beautiful promise. The God who receives the gift is the God who will meet some of your needs, all of your needs, not just some. Notice the limits of supply. Every need, all your need. So that means whatever we obtain, we don't obtain, we don't require. For if God promises unfailingly to support our needs, we will have it. And there's the method of the supply. According to his riches in glory in Christ Jesus. There are three kinds of riches in the word of God. There's the riches of his goodness. Available to men and women everywhere on planet earth. Everywhere. Every person. It could be the beautiful nature that he provides, the sunshine, the rain. Riches of his grace are another one. Available to all sinners who admit their need to him. That we are in need of a savior. That is the riches of his grace. And then there's the riches of his glory. It is this that he says to all the saints and to those who know him. It, what does this mean? It means the weakest saints hold in their hands all the greatest saints ever had. He has Christ. They have Christ. And in having Christ, they have everything. The rich of, riches of his glory is beyond our comprehension. It, it's so comprehensive that it goes just beyond monetary giving. It goes into everything that you give to the Lord. Your life is worship as you give. It's comprehensive. You can give to the meeting of your needs. And I know Kristen and I have seen this play out so many times in our life that as we gave, as we were just faithful, just like many of you that are doing, you're just giving because you realize it. And as you're giving, God takes care and fills up. Oh, were there lean times? You better believe it. Every person in this room has been through a lean time. 
maybe many of them. But you continued to give, and God took care of it because as you gave, there was an exchange that took place. The God that you gave to in 18, verse 19, comes to bless you and takes care of your needs. Amen? And he says, you know, when you understand that God's going to provide what you need, you can rest in him. And so thus you can live a content life. A content life. In the, in the busy Christmas season that we are all in, and as crazy as it gets, we can live content. We can do that. And, and, and then Paul's saying here, he's speaking, you can live content. No matter your circumstance, no, what, no matter what you're in today, the lack of what you have, the abundance of what you have, he says, listen, and I have a peace in my heart. And remember we talked about this, that you know what? And the peace of God surpasses all understanding will guard your heart and mind in Christ Jesus. That's the peace we need. In the next two weeks after we finish the series today, I'm going into a two-week series on the missing piece that our world is really missing. And I think many believers are not living in peace. Paul says you can have this. Joy, peace, go towards contentment. When you're in Christ, you're in covenant with him. And I trust as you give that, that you're work and your life will be blessed. Paul says, listen, you can be content. I've learned the secret of it. I've learned the secret, and now I want you to know this, that God will provide all of your needs. And with that, he burst into praise in verse 20. To our God and Father be glory forever and ever. Amen. I pray that you grow in the grace of contentment. I pray that for you, being at peace with what God provides and what he doesn't provide. Trust him. He knows what you need. And in difficult times, it's the power of Christ that is able to pull you through in a way that our own human ingenuity can't. Our self-will or our discipline could not. He's with you, and he's a God who blesses his people. Amen, church? He does that. Verse 21, here he comes. Greet all the saints in Christ Jesus. The brethren who are with me send greetings. All the saints send you greetings, especially those who belong to Caesar's household. And I love that because you got to remember at the beginning of this book, he's chained to a Roman soldier 24 hours a day, right? And the Roman soldiers, they were part of Caesar's praetorian guard. This was his elite bodyguard that one by one they are chained to the apostle Paul. And it's very interesting, the Christians in Rome, they had been praying, get the gospel into Caesar's household. Help the royal family and the people that are a part of the royal household to hear the good news of the gospel. How is that gonna happen? How on earth? I mean, there's too many roadblocks Rome doesn't want God. Caesar's household doesn't want him. The guards surely don't want him. But God, in his own unique way, is going to chain them to Paul one person at a time, day by day by day. You know, it's, it's one thing for Paul to be chained to a Roman soldier. It's another thing entirely for a Roman soldier to be chained to Paul. Isn't that true? They're going to hear him pray. They're going to hear him preach. They're going to hear him dictate this letter. They're going to hear it. They're going to see it. They're going to be there, and the results are predictable. They're going to get saved. They're going to 
get saved. It reminds me of a missionary that we support, Pastor Paul and Ruth I, born in Vietnam. Chris and I had the opportunity at our previous church to serve alongside of them and get to know them. But in their life here, Paul I, in Vietnam, born and raised, uh, became a master witch doctor. And radically, he was saved. Transformed people were around him, spoke into his life, were praying for him right in Vietnam. And through that, he, got, he came to Christ, radically saved, his wife Ruth, their children, small children at the time. And, and through the process of that, the local authorities and the officials came to Paul and told him, you have two options. Number one, you either get on that boat and you leave. Because if you don't, you'll be imprisoned. He said, I can't get in the boat. He said, this is where God has placed me. This is the purpose that God had written on my heart for the people of Vietnam. He did not get on the boat, and so they put him in prison for nine years. Nine years prison. Still tells the story, you know, his children were so small, they would walk up and they could only just see him and talk to him through the little window in the jail cell. Nine years. So he says, no, I'm going to stay here. and I'm going to do what God's called me to do. Nine years later, he's free. I said, you got to leave the country. So he came to the United States of America, the previous church that we served at, served there, but still made trips back to underground church in Vietnam. Went back, raising up people, raising up churches, raising up leaders. He had churches that, that grew so fast that when we were at Bethel, his kids were grown by then. He had to send his daughter back to Vietnam just to pastor it because the church grew so fast. Said, you got to pastor this church. I don't have anybody to take it over right now. Years later, it was years ago that I remember him emailing us as well as all the supporters in his ministry. He's, hey, I, I went to Vietnam and I'm in a hotel and I need, I need prayer because they've now assigned the police to take turns and guard so I won't leave this place and share the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. So many people went to prayer. It was about a week or two later, he sends this email back. He says, listen, keep praying. He said, because all of the policemen that they keep sending me keep coming to Jesus and finding Christ. Amen. And he was happy about it. Some of you are wondering why am I at where I'm at right now? I'm chained to a circumstance and situation. I, I don't even know what to do. And God, th this, is, this, is not, this can't be of you. Let me tell you something. The main purposes of God is to get the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ out. God is not concerned with your comfort and mine, brothers and sisters. And the church of Jesus Christ has grown comfortable. Comfortable. The message of Christ is meant to go out so all the world can hear. That's you and that's me. That's just not left up to a missionary. That's you and me. 
that you're in the place that you're in today because God has you there for a purpose because somebody has been praying for the salvation of somebody else. God has placed you in that person's life for a reason so that they will come to Jesus. And if you just look at it, that is your assignment. Maybe it's multiple assignments today where God has you. Somebody is praying so that somebody will come to the Lord and God is going to use you and me because of our, the prayers that are going forward because of the gospel is meant to go to the uttermost parts of the earth. So he says, so all the saints send you greetings, especially those who belong to Caesar's house, all the people in Rome, the royalty, they are getting saved. Verse 23, the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ be with you all Amen. But you know he's a great apostle, great preacher. This is like his third amen. He's trying to bring it to conclusion. Here he is. Amen. And it is done. The grace of the Lord Jesus Christ be with you all. With you all. You and I can live a contented life. No matter what this culture is telling us. No matter what the people. I know young people, this world is throwing so many things at you right now. To our children. Right and left, you should do this to be content. The fear, I'm gonna miss out on this. I'm, I'm not, you know, I'm not who I should be. I've gotta have this, and if I'm not with that person, and if I don't have this in my possession, then no, 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 Jesus came to turn our world upside down and said there's a better way to live, and it's a contented life, and you can do all things through Christ because he is the one that gives you the strength to do it. God has placed you where you're at for a reason and for a season to share the gospel of Jesus Christ, amen? Father, I thank you for your word today to us. The Lord, it challenges every one of us, every fiber in our being. To Lord, as the apostle Paul says, hey, we should, we should uh, look at our lives today. And through the work of the Spirit that we should hold ourselves accountable, God, because it's not about possessions, it's about people, that we would have a right relationship with you and that we know that we can do all things because, Christ, you give us the strength today, no matter where we're at, no matter what season we're in, because, Lord, you have placed us there for a reason, because somebody needs to hear the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ, no matter who they are, whether they're the rich or whether they're the poor. It doesn't matter. Lord, you have placed us there for a reason. So, Lord, thank you for the power that you have bestowed and given to us to do it, because, Lord, through it, we can do it with your help. And so, Lord, I thank you for it. I bless you, and I thank you for the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ that it is with us, Lord, and that we can live a contented, peaceful, and joyful life no matter what we are in, no matter what we are chained to, no matter where we are at today, Lord, I thank you that you're the one that gives us the power to do it. In Jesus' name we pray. And everyone said, amen. Thank you for tuning in, and we hope you enjoyed today's message. If you'd like to get in touch or would like more resources on how to live a successful Christian life, you can always find us at myabundantlife.com. Have a blessed week.